Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists. Hi everyone, welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast from sunny Brisbane on a winter's day. It is a lovely winter's day and um, it's a really interesting topic that we are going to tackle today and it's probably one of the questions that we get asked most frequently as buyer's agents when we are performing our due diligence. So it's a bit of a contradiction really when I say a nice sunny winter's day. It's blue sky, 24, 25 degrees and today we're actually going to talk about flooding. Um, Brisbane, uh, Brisbane is known as the River City. So there's all different types of flooding we're going to run through, um, some types, some history, um, some actual real stories of what's happened and what we've seen, um, and give you a bit of a heads up and, and helping hand on buying property in Brisbane, the River City. So I think that we'll get straight into it because um, this is something that you as a property buyer need to be aware of, and we certainly would like to help to direct you in the right direction to be able to do the searches yourself um, in terms of how to do the due diligence. But first, it is important to understand what types of flooding can affect a property. And that's what we're going to touch on first. So Scott, obviously, the most relevant type of flooding here in Brisbane being a river city is? Is river flooding. Correct. <laughs> so there's, look, there's, as Melinda did mention, that there is different types of flooding. Um, it affects properties in different ways. If you if you live in a low-lying area, and I can give you an example um, a property in a low-lying area sometimes will have a stormwater drain down there. If you get a king tide, things like that, that affect the height of the water in the river, the water can actually come back up through the drains. So you can actually get flooding coming back up through the drains, not just from the rain or um, uh, from the drains, I should say, and not from just the rain or the creeks, rivers, and those sort of things flooding as well. And that's something that a lot of buyers don't understand. So look, in terms of river flooding, it's the first type of flooding we're going to talk about. Basically, this happens when there is um, a lot of rainfall across Brisbane catchments, and it causes high amounts of water to rise and flow over the banks of the Brisbane River. So it does cause downstream flooding. So the further down the water flows, the worse the flooding impact is. And clearly there's been some significant river flooding events here in Brisbane, which we're going to touch on um, throughout this podcast. So as I did mention earlier about the tides as well, even though it is a, is a river, it still runs out to the Moreton Bay. So we are affected by tides. And quite often we'll find even if there's not flooding, there could be localised flooding from time to time. And that is from a king tide. The water comes up, spills over the edge of the banks or up the stormwater drains. So it can be affected in other ways, even though it is river. And that leads us into creek flooding because when we do have a lot of heavy rain over a number of days and our creeks start to swell, if that coincides with a king tide coming in from Moreton Bay, quite often we see creek flooding. Now, that will impact properties in different ways to river flooding. So there's mapping tools available to determine whether a property is impacted by river flooding or creek flooding or other types of flooding. Um, yeah. So... We get really heavy downpours up here. Um, in in the summer summer periods of the uh, the year, we get some really really um, torrential rain. What happens then is the higher areas of the the land, the water has to run to the lower parts. So there's a direction of where that water runs, and obviously we find that through uh, overland flow. Yes, that's a third type of flooding that we always assess as buyers agents. Um, local overland flow happens in a very heavy. 
uh, rainfall event and you see water run from the high point to the low point. And in some instances, this can be more problematic for a property owner because the water flows very quickly, it rises very quickly, and it um, passes through very quickly. So a different type of flooding to creek and river flooding. Um, and again, there's mapping tools available to check whether a property is impacted by overland flow. And you can't stop that either. Um, so you can't actually, when you when you build on a property, you can't actually just block that water and divert it to somebody else's property. No, that becomes your prop, your problem as a property owner. And quite often you do have to lift uh, properties up. You can't build slabs on ground, for example, in overland flow paths. Um, instead, you will have to lift properties up and put them on stilts and things like that. But um, it is something to keep in mind if you're moving into to construction or development. Um, if a property already exists in place, then that is less relevant. But you'd certainly want to know if you're a home buyer or an investor um, if you do have a problem with overland flow because you would not want to be storing gear on ground level that um, may have some overland flow impact. So definitely something to keep in mind. The last type of flooding that um, we do get here in Brisbane, um, much less significant, is storm tide flooding. So this happens when winds from a storm push the ocean towards the land. So, you know, we do have some coastal uh, suburbs on up to the north and down to the south. Um, even though we are a bay, sometimes we do get some um, storm tide flooding where the ocean actually spills over the land and that largely impacts coastal properties, not so much any properties that are in the suburbs uh, closer to the city where we have um, more river and creek flooding. So they're the different uh, types of flooding, but you know, in terms of history, I think the most significant impact has come from river flooding. Yeah, so as, as Melinda said, they're the, they're the types of flooding. Um, history, we'll go back on a little bit of a history trip now. We won't take you back to every every flood or every, every event that actually happened, um, but there's definitely three major floods that have, um, have, have affected Brisbane. Yeah, the first one was right back in 1893. Um, this occurred in February. It was also known as Black February. It killed 11 people and it caused about 190 people to be hospitalised. So basically, this is a river flood event. The Brisbane River burst its banks and it flooded into the city. And it was in response to a tropical cyclone. So we very rarely get um, full-blown cyclones here in Brisbane, but quite often we get tropical lows, um, which are big rain events where we get a lot of the rain runoff, not so much the winds. Um, look, at that time, back in 1893, the water was recorded at 8.35 metres above the low tide level in the Brisbane CBD. So it definitely had a significant impact. It was the second highest ever recorded at the city gauge. So it gives you an indication of why it was called the Great Flood. But um, at that time, there were a further two floods within a fortnight. So the main flood came through and then um, two subsequent floods and it caused the Victoria Bridge in the city and the railway bridge at Indrapilly to collapse. So um, the estimated rebuild value was around $4 million at that time, which was a huge, huge amount of money back in 1893. Mm, that's incredible. Back in those times. Um, jumping forward uh, a few years, 1974. So the 74 floods, um, what sort of effect did that have? Yes, I remember growing up and hearing stories from my parents about, you know, how significant the 1974 floods were. Um, these occurred on the 27th of January, 1974, and they're considered to be the largest floods to affect the city of Brisbane in the 20th century. 
So again, back in 1973, it had been an extremely wet spring. Um, so the capacity of the river system was um, just, you know, toppled over. And then we got Cyclone Wanda and it caused 642 millimetres of rain to fall in the city during a space of 36 hours. And the rivers just could not cope. So the, the river banks burst. Um, the floods at that time peaked at 6.6 metres, but clearly development was a lot more advanced than it was back in 1893. Um, so around 8,500 homes were significantly impacted during the 1974 floods. Um, I've got memories of uh, my dad and his family growing up at Woolawin, uh, backing onto the Kedron Brook. And he often told us stories of how they used to just um, walk or not walk, but um, step down from their high set steps and grab a boat and, you know, boat around, which would not ordinarily have been the streets where you would drive cars. So it gives you an indication of what impact it had back then. Yeah, it's quite amazing when you see some of the photos. Um, we've we've actually we've got a book ourselves on floods and the effect, and it's amazing see, seeing some of those photos of people in um, canoes and boats um, heading around their streets in their backyard. Yeah, they said in 1974 it was around 200 square meters of an inland sea throughout Brisbane, wow. so it was significant. Um, and during those floods, 14 people lost their lives, mostly in the inner city suburbs. Um, I think the damage bill back then was thought to cost around $200 million, so a big tick up on the 1893 floods. But um, look, as a result of these floods, the Wyvernhoe Dam was built out um, to the west of Brisbane, and that was a flood mitigation tool designed to um, help Brisbane become a flood-free city. And the, the whole purpose of the dam was to be able to control the flow of water so that Brisbane would never flood again. Yeah, um, unfortunately, it's, it worked in a way, but I do remember we were actually sitting on our back deck with some friends in January. We were up the coast on a holiday originally. Uh, it rained and kept raining and kept raining. We had young children and we decided to head home. So luckily we made it home before the roads closed. And um, all of a sudden, uh, everything was shut and Brisbane was starting to flood again in 2011. Yeah, the 2011 floods are the floods that we were never meant to happen because the dam was meant to protect us. And yet um, down came the rain and it really did not stop. So throughout December 2010, um, we had significant prolonged rainfall throughout Queensland and it was caused by a strong La Nina uh, weather pattern. So that rain just continued to fall. It was torrential. And I remember we just had days and days and days of, you know, very heavy rain. I think Wyvernhoe was almost at capacity, wasn't it, Linda? Yeah, they had to um, do some early releases of water uh, just to try and control the flow of water. But we just had a significant rain event um, and the Brisbane River broke its banks on the 11th of January 2011. And then the levels peaked in the CBD on the 13th at 4.46 metres in the CBD. And I remember that day clearly because uh, the 11th, sorry, the 13th of January was a fine and sunny day. And yet that river was raging and the water was coming from that um, Wyvernhoe Dam region. And we just watched as our city went underwater for the flood that was never meant to happen. Yeah. And, and Brisbane had changed, grown uh, dramatically over the years, obviously. And the impact that it had, there was there was underground car parks in the city that were just full of water. Um, it was quite amazing to actually see and to witness. 
yeah, I can remember going in and looking from the kangaroo points uh, cliffs across to the river and seeing restaurants and buildings just engulfed and the the river was certainly raging and pontoons and, you know, debris and the force of the water. It really was angry um, and it was a scary time for us all because, you know, Brisbane shut down, the city was closed and it felt eerie for many days. Um, and at that time, 20,000 residential houses were affected by floodwaters across 94 suburbs um, in Brisbane. So, you know, much of Queensland was de- declared as a disaster zone, but it really had a significant impact in our city. And I think the damage resulted in about 56,200 insurance claims, totaling $2.5 billion. So the damage was much more significant than the, the damage bill in previous floods. I do remember back on the other point we talked about the uh, canoes and the uh, and the boats. Actually, there's, there's photos of um, people in canoes riding around Suncorp Stadium. There was that much water. It was it was incredible. <laughs> I remember that. And look, only a day later, once the water had come through, the water came up and it and it went down just as quickly. But I think that a lot of people think that the water comes up and the the water you know falls away and then you just dry the homes out and and that's the end of it. But it was not the case here in Brisbane uh, because as the waters came up, so too did the muck and the mud and the horrible smell. And, you know, we um, became part of that mud army ourselves and, you know, we we put on the gumboots and off we went with whatever tools we could throw into the back of the ute at the time because we had friends that were significantly impacted by this flood event. And I remember turning up to a very good friend's home and we were there when they opened the door for the first time and we were greeted by a gush of foul-smelling brown muddy water as the door opened and, you know, that was just the water that was left in the home through suction. I guess that's what you could say. And then, you know, the dining room table was balancing on the kitchen bench. There was a, a film of sludge across the surface of everything they owned and in this case the water had gone through to about, oh, how yep. far below, probably, below the ceilings was it, Scott? Yeah, it was probably six to seven foot high. Mm. Um, so eight foot ceilings, we generally say, the old terms, 2.4. Um, so eight foot ceilings, we always used to say. Um, it was almost uh, at the ceiling the water level had got up to. It's it's amazing. If you do look back through any footage or anything like that, they, they always talk about the mud army and how people bonded together. And there was people everywhere with with shovels just pushing out mud and mark and everything um to actually personally do it and to go into someone's house and all of their belongings um they're carrying out drawers with all of their underwear covered in mud everything it is just it was disgusting it it smelled um we we even opened up one of the cupboards i think it was and there was a small snake Mm. in one of the cupboards so frightening day and and it's certainly a memory that will never fade um, in my mind, and and certainly one of the reasons why doing your due diligence around flood becomes absolutely critical, because when a property is flood affected, what happens to it, Scott? Yeah, so the the mud, the water, it gets into everything. Um, from a building side of it, you need to actually dry everything out, and that's not just opening the doors and the windows and letting the breeze go through. It's it's actually pulling all the carpet up, all the carpet, the underlay, all of that has to go. So you go back to the plane let's say it's a concrete floor, um, just the bare concrete, and even the walls. You have to actually pull all the plasterboard off the walls up above the height of where the water was, and it has to be left to dry. There's testers you can use. 
and they test the moisture reading in the um in the timber and the timber has to be dried to an approved amount so that you can actually start sheeting again but it doesn't stop there um your electrical your plumbing everything in your house is affected water gets in there and water absolutely wrecks the wrecks everything basically. Mm. And one thing to understand is that about 60% of flood affected homes in Brisbane weren't covered for flood damage in after the 2011 floods. So it's really important that you um, you don't just assume that the owners had the insurance if you're buying something that has previously been flood impacted. You want to make sure that um, it was appropriately dried out and that there's not some sort of buildup of mould and what have you happening in the frame or in the ceiling space um, at this time. And I guess that brings us into, you know, the fact that some people are actually um, happy to, you know, consider a home in a flood impacted area, but there's things uh, that you can do to determine whether a property is in fact flood impacted or not. Yeah. So, Obviously, you can you can buy properties a little bit cheaper um, some of the times in those areas um, because they are in a flood area. But if you do go down the track and you still want to buy that property, there are some things you can you can do searches on and you can do all your homework just to check what effect and at what level the effect has. Yeah, the first thing that you can do as a property buyer is to. Um, complete a floodwise property report. It's a free service available by the Brisbane City Council and you could probably just Google floodwise property report to bring you to the website where you enter in the address that you're looking at for a specific property. And then you can produce a report that will give you very specific information in relation to that property or that block of land. Um, You'll get some flood level information, which will show where your property is placed compared to today's minimum habitable floor level. So you will know whether that property has flood immunity or not. Um, You'll also get information about exactly where the January 2011 flood level occurred on that site. And The third thing that you'll get about the flood level information is your chances of being flooded in any year. That's basically expressed as an annual expedient probability or an AEP. Um, So basically that gives you the probability that that property will be flood impacted in any 12-month period. So you've done the first lot of checks. You're still interested in the property. Now, if it's an existing property and it has been affected by flooding, you've got to make sure you get it inspected properly. So something you discuss with the building and pest guys when they do their um, testing, they'll be able to test a little bit more in depth on things like mould and things like that because you don't want mould growing in your walls. So you want to make sure that that's checked. If it's a new build, for example, and you're buying a house that you can demolish or the block of land, those floodwise tests, they'll actually tell you the height of the, the flooding so that you can actually build it to be um, flood immune. Yeah, it's a good tip um, and something that a lot of buyers may not consider because you just want to make sure that if you are buying something that has previously been flood impacted, that it has been appropriately rectified at the time that um, any renovation or improvement works were completed. So I think that the the second thing that uh, property buyers can do is have a look on some interactive flood awareness maps, again, on the Brisbane City Council website. And I know that I'm giving information specific to the Brisbane City Council, but 
all council regions um, in Greater Brisbane, including Moreton Bay, Redlands, Ipswich and Logan will have their own flood mapping tools. So you can get in contact with council and ask for um, reference to where those tools are located. Um, the, we just don't have the, the time to go through all of those tools in this podcast. So um, most council regions have their own interactive flood awareness maps and they basically are more updated information, including the latest data from the Brisbane River Catchment um, Flood Study as well as other flood studies. So they're uh, updated more frequently um, in relation to more recent flood impact events. There's also a uh, another tried and tested way of, of doing it. It's probably not as technical as the other ones that Melinda's talking about, but it's a good old knock on the neighbour's door, on knock on their door and just ask them. You'll find in some areas, in some so there'll be there'll be people that have lived there for years and years. They'll probably have photos. Um, just knock on the door, ask. There's no harm. Um, they can say no. They might even help you out. And you never know. People always um, help out and can be kind and and helpful these days. Yeah, you want to know from those that have lived through any previous flood events. You know, has the area flooded in the past? If so, when did it flood? Um, and why did it flood? So you want to also know where did the levels come to because you might get that information from a real estate agent. Um, you may or may not get that information um, through further due diligence if you know where to seek it. But look, the neighbours are going to give you the most um, detailed summary of what's actually happened in an area for sure. So you've, you've done quite a bit of your homework. Um, you, you're quite happy to proceed or you're still interested in purchasing a property. Um, is that it? Do you just jump in, Melinda, or is there anything else we need to think about? I think there's a lot of other things as a property buyer that I'd be thinking about uh, before purchasing a home that has some sort of flood impact. Um, probably the thing that I would be checking up front uh, before I considered a purchase in a flood impacted area is insurance. I would want to understand whether the property has the capacity to be insured insured because some insurance companies do exclude river flooding from their policy. So you need to make sure that you are covered for all types of flooding and read the fine print in any potential um, offer that you get. Um, it's critical that you understand any increased cost, especially if you are an investor, but also a homeowner, because insurance costs typically are a lot higher if you are in a flood impacted area. Clearly, if you're an investor, that's going to significantly impact on your yield. Uh, but likewise, as a homeowner, it increases your holding costs associated with that property. And for some people, they may have the risk appetite to run the risk that Brisbane may never flood again. But I know having experienced what the the significant impact can be, you know, that would not match my risk appetite at all. So you mentioned about the investor. What about for a, uh, a tenant and the effects that would have with the insurance? Yeah, look, it can be the same um, issue that a tenant has, you know, if they're looking for contents insurance and they're in a, a property that has been flood impacted, then it's likely that their insurance may also be greater as well. So it, it runs all the way through the line and, you know, it can decrease the potential tenant pool as well. Um, I know as a tenant, if I had the choice between a property that had flood impact versus a property that I knew was flood free, then I'd go for the flood free property every time um, if the price was comparable. Mm, definitely worth thinking about because um, if it is an investment, you, you definitely want to get a tenant in, that's for sure. Um, what about the money? Can we get the money? <laughs> yeah, well, again, another good question because 
Um, you know, from the finance perspective, um, don't forget when you are relying on finance, most banks will require you to have a current um, home and contents insurance policy in place or particularly a home um, insurance policy in place. And if they know that they're, you're buying in a flood impacted area and you've got an exclusion under that policy for flood cover, then that can potentially um, cause your home loan to be declined. So, Again, there's a lot of things to consider before you're actually going to be putting an offer in on a property that may have some flood impact. And I think that these sorts of things need to be investigated before you just jump in and start negotiating on a property. Right. So we've done some searches. We've learned a bit of history. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've checked our insurance. We've checked the bank. We, we probably should be ready to go and buy it and happy days. Look, yes and no. I think that you also need to understand, well, what's the purpose of the purchase and what do you intend to do with that purchase? Because I know from um, the perspective of what's happened since 2011 here in Brisbane, the Brisbane City Council have changed a lot of their flood codes. So if you are looking to do a renovation or an extension or even a development, you must now comply with the new flood code, um, which requires minimum habitable floor levels to be met. So if you are purchasing a property in an area that has significant flood impact, it may be that you um, have to expend additional costs to ensure that whatever you're renovating or building becomes compliant with the flood code because you're going to have to build up to um, certain minimum habitable floor levels. So <laughs> get my tongue around that. <laughs> it's it's also something we talk about a lot then um, as we get towards the end of this is we, we've obviously gone through certain things of buying and to look at and to search and everything like that. But, but what about the exit strategy? What about de- way down the track when you decide you want to sell that property? And I think it's something that not a lot of buyers think about. Um, whether you're a home buyer or an investor, yes, there may be the opportunity to purchase something in um, a location that you desire if it is flood impacted at a discounted rate. However, if your property is flood impacted now, um, those flood, flood maps may not um, ever change because the risk that Brisbane could flood again, it's still there. And even despite the fact that Wyvernhoe Dam was built to prevent future flooding, history now proves that um, sometimes nature just takes over. So I think that people need to consider what their exit strategy is. And if they do intend to sell that property in the future, it may be that the buyer pool is reduced because there are simply some buyers that will not tolerate uh, the risk associated with a flood impacted property. So yes, you might get a discount upon entry, but you can't expect a premium price on exit. Um, Your property will also be a discounted property on exit if it is a flood impacted property. Yeah, fantastic. Well, um, look, most of that, I think we've run through quite a bit in in a short period of time there. I I hope that's helped and I hope it's give you a bit of information that will help out. Um, It's a a massive investment property, so don't make a mistake. Make sure you do do your homework. If you need help at all, obviously reach out. We're here to help. Streamline Property Buyers. Um, You can find us streamlineproperty.com.au. Um, always happy to help out uh, when it comes to investing into property. It's a huge investment and a commitment for your life. Um, That's all from me. So I hope it's been good. Um, Until next time, take care and bye for now. Yes, thanks for tuning in again, everybody. Uh, We hope you're enjoying this podcast series and we love talking about Brisbane. As you can probably tell, we are very passionate about helping people in the Brisbane property market and avoiding mistakes is something that's very close 
um, to our hearts, uh, making sure that people go in with full disclosure and that they are performing all of the due diligence that is necessary before making such a significant um, investment in this type of asset. So thank you for tuning in. We look forward to speaking with you again soon. Uh, talk to you again then. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in today. Please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is general in nature and we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes and of course, tell your friends about us. If you would like to get in contact, please visit www.brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au or email us at info at brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au. Feel free to send in any questions and we will try to answer them in future episodes.